a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. And I'm Matthew. And this week we are covering episode 113? 113? Episode season 113? Thir- episode 13? Episode 13. I never know when an episode it is. It's episode, episode 13. Episode 13, The Unsinkable Mommy Adler. Yay! Yay! I like this one. Yes, it was good. It had good things. And a guest star. Yeah! And we'll get to that. Yes. Alright, do you want to read the description? Sure thing. So, the um, description is, Grace prepares in advance for the arrival of her mother, parentheses, Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> <clears throat> a former showgirl who just loves upstaging her daughter. Yay! Yay! Okay, so, full disclosure, Debbie Reynolds is the best guest star they've had in the show yet. Yes, I mean, granted, they've only had a few. I mean, I'm counting Harlan in the list of guest stars. Fair. Because we haven't seen him in a while, and I think he may have passed. He might have died. He might have died off screen. Anyway. So, yeah, so we have... Rest in peace, Harlan. Probably. (sighs) Anyways, so, um, yes, we have Debbie Reynolds playing Grace's mom. She's fantastic. Her name is what, Bobby Adler? Bobby Adler, yes. Okay. Just this fantastic, like, old Grace, basically. Yes. But more sexual? Yes, way more sexual. Like, one of the first things she says upon arriving in the episode is, that she has no panty lines because she's not wearing any panties. <laughs> and I was just like, you get it, Mommy Adler. And that great tradition of overly sexualized uh, TV mothers. Yay! Yeah. It was... Making their children very uncomfortable. Eh, it was fine. <laughs> Maybe for you. Well, you know, I like I like a good lack of panty lines. <laughs> any hoozle. But yes, she's, she was fantastic. Yes. So this episode features her coming to town. Yes. Um, she's there to visit... There really isn't any... There's no, like, real reason for why she's visiting. Yeah. There's not really a plot to this episode on that No, it's really just she's showing up in town, as TV mothers tend to do. Right. And Grace freaks out. Right. And then... Puts up her mom's shield, her judgment. Then there's... There's drama as a result of things said by the mother and said by the gay roommate, as there always is. Right, of course. As you do. Right. I thought Debbie Reynolds was a a really slick choice. Uh, Full disclosure... We, both of us knew the name Debbie Reynolds. Yes, we sat there being like, why do we know this person? We should have known her from many of the things, like The Unsinkable Molly Brown, mm-hmm. uh, which she was in, and that's and, where the title comes from. Yep. Sing Me in the Rain. Yep. Um, what was the other thing? Uh, the big scandalous affair with... Lots of big scandalous like affairs. And, like, yeah, she's very famous. <laughs> Unfortunately, we realized we knew her when we got to the bottom of the Wikipedia page, and we're like... Oh, she's Carrie Fisher's mom. She's the mommy of Princess Leia. So, I'm sorry, Debbie Reynolds, that we didn't immediately recognize you for your iconic roles on screen and stage. And immediately, you're like, you squirted out Princess Leia from your pee hole! <laughs> Yay! But, fantastic. Yes. I mean, especially singing in the rain is kind of it's, her yeah. calling card. Yeah, so this episode does a really good job of um, playing on all of the fantastic Debbie Reynolds beats that they mm-hmm. could hit, which I really enjoyed because a lot of them were just pretty, yeah. just great. They were great in general, and then when we like went back through it after the episode... We were thinking through, about it, like, everything was kind of right. a reference. The the show opens up with a riff where Jack is renting Star Wars... Again. Again, over and over, so Star Wars gets a shout-out. Because he's convinced that C-3PO is gay. Yes, which is a great, it's a great bit for Jack, because Jack mm-hmm. is exactly the kind of person who would think that every robot is gay. Let's be real, though... C-3PO is gay, and absolutely in love with R2-D2, and they adopted BB-8. Mm-hmm. You saw how sad he was in the new Star Wars movie, when he's like, R2-D2 has been in a coma, I mean, power down mode, ever since he came back from Master Luke. This is my and he left me to raise this child alone. And then they sing a sad song, probably. Yeah. Oh, three. That's cut, sorry. It's very sad. But they'll be a very nice, happy family in episode eight. Yeah, so, anyways, C-3PO. 
hella gay. Right. Gay and spring anyway, out there. There is there are other uh, side things. Yes. There is the um, well, she gets to sing her song from yes. "Singing in the Rain." Yes. So when she walks into Grace's office, um, she walks in and she's immediately like, "Good morning, good morning." Good morning. And Grace wasn't singing because she says it's a no singing office. And then of course, Karen immediately gets up and they dance and sing and finish the song mm-hmm. and then they kiss and it's choreographed and it's beautiful. It's not as good as in the movie, admittedly, which we then watched again. Yes. Um, which, by the way, out of context, that scene 100% with the lady and the two dudes mm-hmm. looks like they just had a they had a good threesome the night before and they're just tap dancing away that morning. I know if I had a threesome the night before, I would absolutely do a tap dance number on my way out the door. Uh, yeah, I mean, what else are you supposed to do? Right, I mean, that's, a, that's the point. Is that the raincoats were clearly a condom metaphor. Ah, yes, very deep. Mm-hmm. That was almost a monocle moment. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just gonna start liter- like doing literary analysis of complete bullshit. Right, that sounds great. Yeah. I'm sure there were other dead rails moments that we totally missed, but like but those were the ones that we really. Those are the real were, standout ones those that were cool. good. But yeah, so it was really great, and she's great, and we loved her, and mm-hmm. Debbie Reynolds come on the show. I think right, Debbie Reynolds, please, you know, come to our her, apartment. Leave your hermetically sealed, you know, Los Angeles apartment. Yes. Come to Milwaukee. Just kidding! Don't do that. Don't do that. We would not. We, we don't have air there. conditioning. <laughs> um, I think my favorite part of her character on the show is just how well she fit in with the group. Yes, like she, she had a really good chemistry with everybody. Yeah. One thing I wrote in my notes is that her mom is like Karen and Jack had an old baby. Yes, it's like they went back in time and had a baby. Yes, and now the baby is Debbie Reynolds. And yes. She's fantastic. Yes, because she just gets along. She's very Karen. She's very Jack. She gets along very well with them. But she even gets along very well with Will because she's very complimentary of him and she's always like, oh, do you get more gorgeous every time I see you? And he's <laughs> like, yes, you should see me. I have some stop motion photos or whatever. Time lapse photos. That's what right. it was. Yes. And it's pretty funny. And like, the thing that you would normally say in the situation where like the mom comes to town and all the other characters like her is that the only character that she doesn't get along with is Grace. But that's not actually true. Like, there's a little bit of that. Like, when she first walks in, and they're, like, before she walks in, Will and Grace are both like, okay, what? What is she going to compliment? What is she going to comment on? What is she going to comment on? My hair right. and my outfit. And they're like, no, everything's good. And she walks in, she's like, oh, you look wonderful. Change your shoes. Right. And so you think, right from the get-go, it's going to be one of those, mom likes every one of my friends, but hates me. Right. But, like, it turns out they actually mostly kind of butt heads because they're very similar. And I right. thought that was an interesting play on that trope. Well, and... The trope usually, the trope exists because it exists everywhere. Yes. It's in every show where the mom doesn't like the kid. Yes. Um, and the mom is, like, super overbearing. And, like, and like it's eventually he, revealed that the mom loves the kid, but, like, then goes back to being mean to them. You know what I mean? Right. They love the kid, but they hate the kid because of some weird self-loathing bullshit. Right. That never really is a thing. Like, no. her mom is critical of Grace, but yes. Grace is always a very loving, teasing sort of thing. Like, yes. It's like... I love you, and she doesn't, she, like, Grace prepares for her to make fun of, like, her pillow store, which, you know, Grace actually, I think, might have done some work in this episode. Yeah, Grace was doing a lot of work in this episode. It was admittedly to avoid having a real emotional connection with her mother. But, hey, we're gonna chalk this up, one up is two episodes now, and Grace definitely did at least a little bit of work. I mean, that's when I do my best work, is when I'm avoiding my mother. Ooh, I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> hey, I love you, Mom! Um... I really like that. It yeah. made it, it was part of what made Debbie Reynolds' character so immediately approachable. Yes. That, and I think that's a characteristic of Will and Grace in general, is that it's just a friendlier sitcom in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, like it's, like, it's not like some big dark secret, oh no, mom's coming to town. It's just like, mom's coming to town, and she's kind of critical, and right. really goofy, and I just, like, The best comparison I can think of off the top of my head is like, um, Monica's mom in Friends. Yes. Because Monica and her mother have kind of a similar dynamic to... 
Grace and her mother in that there's a little bit of a weird sexual thing where the mother is like a little bit more aggressive than the yes. other character. Yes. The character is very, the main character is very neurotic and yes. self-interested. Um, but in that, it's very clear that both of Monica's parents really objectively hate her. Yes, they, just, they hate her and they love Ross. It's hilarious, but a little problematic. Like, yes. this is a really, a much more real dynamic Yes, now. and I mean, I think it also is possible that, I mean, Grace is now a sibling, so. That's definitely true. Grace is definitely an only child. Yes. I mean, I shouldn't say that for sure, but I. Grace... I'm almost positive that Grace is an only child. I don't think there's ever a moment when they inexplicably give her a sibling so that they can have a best Yeah. Life. I think they're pretty. I, I feel pretty confident. I'm pretty confident that Grace remains an only child, and I think Will just has a brother. Right. Because it feels. It feels very, you're a shining star, you're my only beautiful right. snowflake. But it's actually kind of great because, like, when you get to, like, the conclusion of the episode when Grace is, like, spun out and freaked out because she's realized that she's become her mother. Her mother's mm-hmm. like, yeah, what's the problem with that? I'm great and your father loves me and you're going right. to find someone just like that. I thought that was a really cool ending. That was a cool ending because, I mean, like, that, this episode could have totally taken, like, a swing where Grace decides she's not going to be like her mom and she's right. going to stop being the star and start being the gardener or whatever fucking metaphor they were using. Yeah. And instead, she, her mom's just like, dude, no. Like, who does your father say is loved his life? Me. Right. Like, you will find someone like that. You don't have to change. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves a little but bit. But anyway. <laughs> let's let's delve back a little bit. The thing that this episode has that's closest to a plot is, um, so Grace is freaked out because yes. this is the first time she's seen her mother since she and Will moved in. Yes. So she thinks her mother's going to be all like, Great. What are you doing with your life? Why are you living with this gay man? This is my Debbie Reynolds impression, everyone. It's very good. It's so good. Why are you living with that gay man? You're ruining your life. And to her credit, her mom, after she's done with her little singing in the rain number, is mm-hmm. just like, why would I be weird about that? I love Will. Yeah. Um, you should actually get married. You should just get married. You should just get married. You know, it might, the, the great line, she's like, I mean, like, how long do you think this sex thing is going to work out? Like, and she said that with, like, so hand wavy, like, oh, sex thing, like, what is that? Yeah, like, like what is that? Like, you're just going to want to be friends anyways. Right. And, like, you've already got that and with she's Will. Like, you're already there. Just do it. And, and then Grace is, like, mortified, but she thinks it's funny. And the, the show actually kind of takes the proposal, not, like, seriously, but, like, it keeps building. Like, right. later on in the episode, they're all in a poker game, and, like... There's, like, tension behind it. Yeah, but, like, they're just, they're just kind of, like, bringing it up. And, like, there's, there's a little bit of tension, but, like... They're sort of almost like joke considering it, right? Sort of, like, or like, I was—I don't want to say considering it. Like that makes the it sound. The episode handles it in such a way that when Grace brings it up in front of Will at the poker game, and she's like, "Oh, my mother thinks we should get married," you feel like for a second that Will's gonna be like, "I guess that wouldn't be the worst idea," right? And then you're like, "But then it—it it, it kind of spins on that," right? Because Will, <laughs> Will tells her that he wouldn't marry her even if he was straight. Which, first of all, bitch, really? It kind of stops the scene on a dime. Rude. Because the the scene where they're talking about it, like, the four of them and Grace's mom are really, like, they're going at it. It's back and forth. They're rocking. yucking it up. It's great. Really fast back and forth. We've gotten rid of all the other poker players, which, yes. thank God, because they're boring. Because, yeah, go away. Um, They've just got, you know, it's the four of them, and Grace comes in a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but... This, this back and forth, this raconteur, just stops on a dime when Will says that. And he, like, he even, like, kind of walks out of frame. Yes. And the camera just, like, watches Grace. Grace. And she's for, just, like... For a mid-90s comedy show, it's actually using some really clever cinematography there because, like, mm-hmm. Will steps all the way out of frame as he's, like, as he's saying it. Like, almost. he drops a bomb and, like, walks off, like... But to Will, it's not even a bomb. Right, he thinks nothing of it. Will is just continuing to continue... But then there's, like, an explosion happening behind Grace. Yes. Which is... Kind of how the rest of the episode builds from there. Yes. Um, but I, I, I thought that was really interesting. Yes. 
to present it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, They handled it in a very interesting way. Because the show's premise kind of seems to hinge on, well, if they were straight, they probably would be together. Right. And so it's very interesting that here we are, it's season one, we're not even halfway through the season, and we're already like, nope, Mm -hmm. that's not a thing. In case you thought this was a love story, it's still not a love story. At least not that kind. And I think this is... uh, this is the first time, really, that they have kind of re-examined that part of the premise. Yeah. Because um, in the pilot, obviously, they kind of present it, and then maybe the next episode after that. Right, they present it as a little bit more coupley, a little bit more, oh yeah, I right. think we're sexually compatible. Right. But I think since then, we've focused on other parts of their dynamic, and this mm-hmm. is the first time we're kind of coming back around to the idea of Will and Grace basically being married already. Right, and I mean, it also harkens back to what we were talking about, I think, in episode two, when we were talking about, like, the perfect couple trope. Mm-hmm. Like, um, part of their relationship is kind of based on this idea that, like, they're such a perfect couple because they're not sexually compatible. Yes. And so it's very interesting to see when, like, literally, like, the question is asked, like, if you were straight, would you marry Grace? To be, like, to have Will be, like, flat out, like, no. Like, right. I wouldn't marry her. Gross. And, like, say it as a joke. Like, right. But not even, like, a like a gross women or gross joke. Like, no, he's just, like, no, it, like, literally thinking about it, if I was straight, no. But not even thinking about it, like, off the top of his just head. Just, like, knowing it, like, instinctively, that mm-hmm. that would not be the type of woman he'd want to be with if he was hypothetically straight. Right. Which is interesting. Which he could have said better. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, okay, here, I kind of have two minds of this, because on the one hand, bitch, rude. Right. On the other hand, he could have phrased it differently, and, like, so it, like, because, it, it, you know, Phil, Phil, sorry, <laughs> Will, Will kind of, um, he's pretty good at, like, flattery and stuff. He normally handles Grace very well, especially mm-hmm. when she's in these types of spin-outs. Right. Which you could probably see brewing in her eyes. He handles himself a little bit better, too, when they meet at, they meet for lunch later. Yes. And I feel like if he had spun it, it's just like, well, I'm not good enough for Grace, or something something funny like that, just to stop, well, no, I'd never marry her, because she deserves someone better, or something. Right. But, no, just, no, I would marry her. Like, My kind of woman is taller, and has chest hair. Right. Talk about that scene where they're talking about the marriage. I like that, because that felt really real and organic to me. Yeah. Because I think you and I have been in situations where, like, not with my parents. My parents are more complicated. But, like, I feel like your mom has kind of done that before. She's, like, joked that we should just get married. I mean... You think we should get married for tax purposes. I just want to screw the government out of money. <laughs> I don't know why you don't want to help me do this. I also think that we should just make your Nana happy before she dies. Let her hold on... My to Nana me. is happy enough. Thank you. Let her hold on to the lie that you're heterosexual. Get that sweet, sweet Nana money. <laughs> and just... Run with it. But, like, I feel like if I was hanging out at your parents' house and we were playing poker and your mom brought up the idea of us getting married, I feel like that's the how. Yeah, no, I feel like my family kind of has that sort of dynamic where they've teased us about that before. It's just like, you guys should just give up and do it already. And we're always like, ha, ha, ha. I would never be stupid enough to tell you that I would never marry you. Especially not in front of my mother. Jesus. Yeah, your mother would have a field day with that. Oh, my God. (laughs) She would turn into Grace's mom at the end of the episode, like, why wouldn't you marry my daughter? (laughs) Actually, she's done that because, as I have, as we mentioned, I'm trying to get Matthew to marry me for tax purposes. Um, and every time I tell my mom, like, Mom, he won't do it. She's like, put him on the phone. I'm going to yell at him. Why won't you marry my baby? <laughs> so, you know, it's that real was, life. And that was the other part I liked, to, to very briefly touch on the ending, is that uh, once that moment happens and once Grace's mom realizes how upset she was by it, she really does kind of turn on Will over it. Yeah, she's like, nope, fuck you, marry my daughter. Yeah, it doesn't happen right away, but kind of after they have their moment at the end, it, uh, it's kind of a gradual build through the episode. Cause, yeah. It's great. So let's talk about lunch. Let's talk about lunch. Okay. I love lunch. Lunch is good. Grace doesn't want to eat because she's so mad at Will. Because she's so mad at her mom and she's so mad at Will and she's just mad. 
She's not happy. She doesn't want to eat. She's just, like, angry and, like, anger spiraling and, like, yelling at her mom. And she presents this theory of Will's, which is that in every relationship there is a gardener and a flower. And the gardener tends to the flower and the flower blooms. And she basically yells at her mom for, like, basically always stealing the show from Grace's dad. And then Will shows up. Oh, my God. And Grace is pissy with him. And she won't eat, let him eat a breadstick because the first thing she says upon his arrival is, why won't you marry me? Oh, but it's the gross kind of breadstick. Oh, the really crunchy ones. But, like, not even, like, the good crunchy ones that come in, like, the little package. Nope. It's the really so, like, tall you, long ones. You know they're full of preservatives. Yeah. Ugh. But, so, he can't even eat a crunchy breadstick because she's slapping it out of his hands. And so then he explains, well, you know, you're not my type of woman. And she says, well, why not? And he's like, I don't really want to go into this. And she's like, no, I think it would be really good for me here. Right. Why not? And then he proceeds Well, because he says it's because I don't like how you are with your boyfriend. Yes. Which is just... And she's like, what does that mean? That's almost worse. And you can, like, see her nostrils getting bigger and her hair getting bigger. And she's, like, losing it. She's like, what does it mean? And so he finally tells her. And he goes, well, you see, Grace, in every relationship there's a flower and a gardener. And she's like, what? And she's don't like, tell me I'm the flower. And then she's like... Will Truman, you will not tell me I'm the star of a relationship <laughs> as she puts on her glasses, her sunglasses and her scarf and like, like sash, sashays out of the restaurant. It's, it's a very RuPaul sashay away. Oh my it. god, it's amazing. I she think has, she's actually walking like sideways. Yeah, I don't, she's like, she's like, she basically purse firsts out of the restaurant. Yes, like, very accurate. It's pretty great. So, Grace yeah. Adler, purse firsting before Before purse cool. first was a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, essentially what she discovers via Will's assessment of why he would not marry her is that it's because she's her mother. Right. Which she kind of already knew but didn't want to admit. Well, that was the other thing I liked is that when they get to this scene at the end where Grace and her mom have this really, like, tender moment, like, they both acknowledge that, like, they both know that she's her mother. Like, yes. this is... You know, Grace is in her 30s. This is old news. Like, this is not something she's discovering in college. Like, I kind of like that about this show in general is we talked a little bit before about how the ages of the characters changes the stories that we're telling here. Yes. Um, I think it is interesting that it wouldn't be believable for Grace to be just realizing in her 30s that she's her mother. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more believable for her to still be coming to terms with that and right. what that means for her romantic relationship, yes. which is where the episode leaves us. Yes. So I thought that was really good. Then we have a great scene where she is at home. Mm-hmm. She's like reading through every single diary that she's ever kept, ever. And every single one of them start with like, Dear Diary, tonight was my night. And Describe fun moment that a boyfriend had. And then how it was about me and what <laughs> I was wearing. And she, I think literally one of them is like, I think it's her old fiance that we see at the beginning. Yes, Danny. And it's like, Danny was the VP of his company. And everyone complimented me on my dress. And everyone told Danny that he was so lucky to have me. Diary, I'm amazing. Yes. Basically, she's Jack. So she's she's a little bit Jack in her <laughs> diary. And so she's horrified at this discovery. And so then her mom walks in. And literally the first thing her mom says, Whew, tonight was mine. <laughs> and then she describes like how she basically wandered in on a commercial being shot. And then yeah. like was part of the commercial. It was for like pants or gum or something. And it was just like snack-tastic. Mom, I don't think it was for pants. <laughs> okay. I think it might have been just chew it or just something. Just chew it. It something. was something because I, I took... Chew-tastic? I had to take a second to make sure she wasn't saying Jew, so I, I wasn't <laughs> sure. But it was something with chew. You're right. Chew. It was something with chewing. But yeah, it was definitely for pants. <laughs> um, so then they have this nice moment where like Grace is freaking out. And she's like, well, I can't even get a, a gay man to hypothetically marry me. And her mom's just like, honey... 
if you don't wear makeup, you look mentally ill. But <laughs> no, then, no, that's very bad. But then she's like, no, sweetie, like it's fine. Like, and then she basically describes how she's like, you know, I talk and talk and talk, but I adore your father, and he adores me, and we have a happy, healthy relationship, and you're gonna find someone, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a nice moment. It's not the type of moment where you'd normally expect where like they both learn something. It's actually kind of again, Grace is the only one who learns anything. Mm-hmm. And it's lovely. And her mom kind of just acknowledges that, yeah, you're me, but what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's I nice. think it's interesting that the last couple episodes we've had Grace learning a lot of different lessons. Yes. And we haven't had Will do that quite as much. Yes. I And I feel like there's maybe something you could say about, like, the inherent sexism of 90s sitcoms that right. all of the lessons are being learned by the neurotic lady person. Fair. But I feel like we've got some Will Learns Lessons episodes coming True. up soon. And I feel like also, like, out of the two, like, I could see, like, the episode begins with Grace making a really big shift in her life. Yeah. And the episode, or the series, actually the series begins with that. And the series also begins with Will pretending like he's not about to have that happen to him. Right. Like, Will, like, tries to pretend like he's above these big changes. Right. But moving in with your best friend is a huge change. Breaking and up with your boyfriend of seven, eight, whatever years is, is a, a huge change. change. So, right. I am excited to see, and we have had some episodes where Will learns a lesson, and mm-hmm. most of those lessons are, Will, get back out there and date your, like, smart right. English dog. Right. And stuff. But, so, hopefully, hopefully soon we'll get more of yeah. a balanced... Everybody learns a well, lesson. Well, I feel like it, it could sort of be building to that. Yes. Like, I wonder, and I, it may just be a throwaway line, but I thought it was interesting that we introduced, like, Will's grand universal theory of relationships. Yeah. And it doesn't really get a lot of play in this episode. No, it really doesn't, especially when you find out that perhaps that whole theory developed because of Grace. Right. Not so much because of anything to do with him. Right. So I wonder, I mean, it could be that we never hear this again, but I mean, at a certain level, it's, it's actually a good kind of archetype for the show, mm-hmm. because... This is the sort of show where all of your characters are roses. Yes. Will's a rose, Grace's a rose, Jack is a rose, And they Karen all take rose. turns being gardeners. Right. Except Karen. She has people for that. Right, exactly. They kind of take turns gardening each other, but that's not really where they're strongest. Right. They're all strongest just being gardened. <laughs> right. And so that's why none of them are ever going to get together. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, because they would just not work. Right. Exactly. It's like exactly you- like what Will says about Grace. Like, if Grace really thinks about it, Grace will realize that she doesn't want to marry Will either. Because right. Because... Will likes to be the center of attention, and yes. Grace doesn't have the energy for that. Exactly. And so, like, it's the same sort of reason why they kind of, a little bit later in the series, play with, like, well, why haven't Will and Jack gotten together? And it's like, because they're both fucking stars. Like, right. they both want to have the spotlight on them, and, like... Just Jack. And essentially, their entire relationship will boil down to the confrontation from Les Mis, where one of them is Javert, and the other one is Valjean, and they just <laughs> sing over each other, and then they probably fuck once or twice, and, I mean, and then that's, that's hot it. for, like, two years tops. Tops. But then eventually you want someone you can have a puppy with. Mm-hmm. Oh, puppies. puppies. Um, I mean, which is kind of, it's a little bit of a dissection of, like, sitcoms in general. Like, mm-hmm. in general, people who are in sitcoms, they're all roses. Yes. You know, that's why the romantic partners usually come from outside of the group at the yes. end. The exception is things like Friends, which I think has kind of shifted it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now your friend groups have mixes of... Inside, uh, outside. Reachers and settlers. Yes. Would be a better Yes, it's argument. kind of like the Reachers and Settlers. And, and That's Hall maybe Mother. like an evolution of it in, in How I Met Your Mother is the show develops Reachers and Settlers because then you have people who are performing and underperforming and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yes. Also, now I feel like we should have a conversation off mic about who is the Reacher and who is the Settler in the Ted Mosby-Robin relationship. Spoiler alert, Ted is the Reacher. Yeah, Ted's 
chocolate region. That's not enough. <laughs> Robin is like the Robin is like the Anderson Cooper of, of settling time. I just mean like I, I mean her job. Like at this yeah, point, she's basically Anderson Cooper. Like she's, basically she, Anderson Cooper. she's settling. Yeah. Like ugh. Ugh. She has an architect that's a married under his belt already. I guess she's kind of married under her belt already too. Yeah. But her hair looks a lot better with that spraying gray. Yeah, it does. <laughs> go, Robin Shabatki. Anyway, back to Will and Grace. Will and Grace. So what else should we talk about? Should we quick talk about Karen? Yeah, let's talk about Karen. Okay, so the, there's a, a teeny tiny subplot in which Karen finds out that she might be in the family way. A different mommy plot. A different mommy plot. So she's afraid she's pregnant. Right. And, spoiler, at the end she's not. And she has a lovely moment with Jack where they both take a pregnancy test and <laughs> they're both negative. And Jack's... I still can't get over Jack taking a pregnancy And then he's test. a little disappointed, even though it's not possible for him to be pregnant. And I just keep imagining all of the Jack M. Proud fic that probably exists somewhere mm-hmm. in the universe, and then I giggle. Right. Um, but then it's kind of, it's a nice moment, because Karen is like, she's not actually disappointed, but she has kind of like a weird moment of disappointment, and then as Jack's like leaving to go work out his ass again, because that's all he does this episode, right. he like, he's like, I know you're going to hate me for this, but, and then he gives her a quick hug and then leaves. And it's nice. And then, of course, she calls Stan and demands to talk to her stat children so she can remind herself how much she doesn't want to be a mother. <laughs> and it's great. Yay, parents. And we have yet another mention of Rosario the maid, who has not showed up yet. Oh, that's right. But I promise she's coming, and it's going to be great. Okay. She better be. She's coming. I promise. <laughs> I, uh, I I like this plot line, but I, I felt it was strange. We talked about this a little bit off mic, how mm. it feels like a character development for Karen like, that would give us a Karen who wants children. No. So that's, that's, that's wrong, right? Like, guys, don't try and humanize Karen Walker. She's fine. Right. Like, stop it. So it's weird to have this episode where we're being given a new layer of Karen where Karen might want kids one day, well, but that's not a real layer. It's not really a real it's layer. It's a fleeting moment. It's just she's briefly sober enough to entertain the idea. Good point. Like. I thought about sobriety's effect on her momentum or whatever. Right, I just mean, like, I don't know. And I feel like if this sitcom had been written in 2016, Here's what would have happened. Karen would have been like, oh, shit, I'm late. Shit. Uh, Jackie, sweetie, do you want to come with me to the abortion clinic? Like, that's how that episode, it would have been no discussion at all. It would have been just, like, a quick line where she's like, I'm going to go advocate my right to choose, and then off she off she goes to abort that shit. That actually would have been kind of funny if she got all the way to the abortion clinic and then, then discovered she was pregnant. Wasn't pregnant. Because that, that should be kind of funny. I wonder if anyone will figure out how to do that on a sitcom. I would enjoy that, because I feel like they do make sure that you're pregnant before you go to the Right. Well, because, like, Karen is exactly the kind of character who would not take a pregnancy test and just go straight to the abortion clinic. Be like, I would like an abortion. They're like, okay, are you sure you're pregnant? She's like, I have a feeling. And they're like, okay, we have to pee on a skit first. And then they're like, <laughs> okay, so you're not. And then she's like, oh. Hey, abortion. Yeah. This episode not sponsored by abortion. This episode is not sponsored by abortion. Oh, however, this episode does support Planned Parenthood. Yay. Yay. Okay. I don't think I have anything else to say. I mm-hmm. love Debbie Reynolds. Debbie I'm Reynolds glad that she great. comes back. I'm glad that we took the time to watch her sing in the rain with those two guys that we could all... we didn't Google the names of. We didn't Google the names of, but... Sorry, I'm, I, I know I should have watched Singing in the Rain by now. I'm a 26-year-old gay man, See, okay, here are my... It's mem- 2016, like, I don't have to do that anymore. Here, I my, watched Rent. So my memory of that song is not anything to do with Singing the Rain, and it's everything to do with every time I spent the night at my grandparents' house growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, when my grandpa would come wake us up for church, he would wake us up by singing. That right. song. The Debbie Reynolds song. And he would sing it, you know, holidays, whatever. So this is my memory. It's just my elderly grandpa being like, good morning, good morning. And not a lady who just totally had a threesome. Right. So. The movie is a very poignant tale. Of, about threesomes. Of the, the silent, of the film industry transitioning from silent film to talkies. Okay, no one saw the artist. It's fine. <laughs> the artist has a puppy, at least. <gasps> puppy! 
the cute puppy. It goes bark, bark. But it doesn't actually go bark, bark. Because the artist is a silent film. It's a silent film. I had a roommate when I was in London when that movie first came out and was, like, nominated for an Oscar who, like, traversed the entire city looking for a theater to go see that film alone. Mistake. And I was just like, were you excruciatingly disappointed or just a little bit disappointed? Okay, so watch Singing in the Rain. Tell us how it is. Do a little Tumblr if you need to. Tell but, us how you, if you think that's the but like not during the threesome tap Because uh, I'm sorry, they they gabbed all night with their genitals. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> awesome! Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Yeah, this was a really fun episode. Uh, I liked it. Yes. Next week we'll have a two part episode. Yeah. Uh, we will be having a special guest, hopefully, uh, who will be revealed when we start doing the episode. It's a big secret. It's not a big secret. It's Matthew's sister. Yay! Yay! She's fun, I guess. We like her. She's not going to listen to this beforehand. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, okay, great. So, Matthew, do you want to tell people where they can find us on the World Wide Web? I would absolutely love to. Woohoo! So, if you're a user of Twitter, you can find us at Not a Couple Show. If you're more of a Tumblr, you can find us at Not a Couple Podcast.tumblr.com or send us an email at Not a Couple Podcast at gmail.com. Yay! Alright guys, thanks so much for listening. Once again, uh, I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Have a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one yelling cat. This episode of Not a Couple was brought to you by It's Not Gay If It's in a Freeway. Remember, the golden rule. It's not gay, but it's in a freeway. It's okay, but it's, it's in a freeway. With a honey in the middle, there's some leeway. Yeah, it's okay in a one, two, three way. way.